there are people I could talk to, but I can't talk to them about suicide. I just want them to like not understand, but me to be the priority, not my safety. I want them to be worried about like, my emotions, how I feel, not like just my safety. It just mm-hmm. doesn't help. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, well, we're not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. And I want to thank everybody who has joined me here on this podcast since we launched in July of 2020. Thank you for being so open and honest. I really do appreciate it. And of course, to everybody who listens, we appreciate your support, however you give it. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And you can also leave us a recorded message. This is something we just added. I'm trying to figure this stuff out. I know I'm almost two years in, but I'm a one-man show. Speakpipe.com slash Suicide Noted. I've put a link in the show notes. Leave us a message. Tell us what you think of the show. If you have a question, a comment, an idea, we would love to hear from you. And of course, we would also appreciate if you let people know about the podcast, share it on social media. If you listen on Apple, please rate and review it. It helps a lot. It really does. Helps people find the podcast. And we want more people to find the podcast. We do. So thank you very, very much. And finally, we are talking about suicide on this podcast, so please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen, because as I've learned, there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Miles. Miles lives up in Michigan, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Miles, thanks for meeting with me. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, of course. All right, and you're in Michigan? Yeah. Oxford, Michigan. Oxford, where is that? North of Detroit, like 45 minutes. Uh, You like it there? Yeah, I do. It's a nice place? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, until the shooting happens. Right. That'll probably be part of our conversation. Probably. Mm. It's interesting. In the last couple of months, I think I've had a, a few conversations with people in Michigan. It's probably a coincidence, but I don't know. Maybe something's going on in Michigan. Yeah, maybe something. Yeah. So you've you've probably heard the podcast, at least one or two episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Quite a few. Well, cool. I appreciate that. You know that I'm insatiably curious about why people want to talk about this thing that most people don't want to talk about in addition to how they found the podcast. So where do you want to start this thing? Why in the world, Miles, would you talk about something that nobody wants to talk about? I found this podcast when I was like super low. I just found it like super comforting listening to people's stories. Like it was like healing. So I kind of wanted to do the same for others. I just wanted to share my story, see if anyone can relate to it in any way. That's kind of why I reached out. Hope that some of my families or friends, like they listen to it and can be a little more educated on the topic and open the conversation about it. So you have family and friends that know that you're you're talking with me for this podcast. Yeah, a few of them. I was going to tell my parents after I do it to see how it goes. Sure. Sure. And then you will let them know. And so do you think in a way having a conversation will help them in a way that you couldn't necessarily communicate with them directly? 
that was a really weird no, question. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah. I can't say it to their face, but this will be a lot easier. All right. Interesting. Okay. Well, cool. I'm, I appreciate it again, you doing it. And I do think there will be people, your family, friends, others that will hear it. And I, I just, I, I wouldn't, I could never do this if I didn't think it was helping people. So yeah. Um, all right. No one gives a shit about what I think, Miles. They care about you. <laughs> so this is always one of the more challenging parts is like, where does the story begin? Okay. I would say it started when I was like 15. So not too long ago, because I'm 19 now. I was in gymnastics. So that was a lot of stress. And like, I loved it up until that time. I, I moved gyms, was trying really hard to fit in. I started recruiting for colleges, started looking into colleges and I was a freshman. Um, and I was dealing with some um, like identity crisis. Like I was trying to figure out my sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. So all of that piled together. I was just super stressed, didn't know how to handle it. So it was to the point where like I was crying at practice every day. I hated it. I hated like every single day, school, gymnastics. So then I started to self-harm, hid that from my parents. And then they found out and that didn't go too well. And then eventually I got suicidal and I told one of my friends, she told my coach and then she told my parents and then it just kind of blew up. So then a week later, I ended up just quitting gymnastics. So that's where it kind of started because I just threatened suicide. Mm. At 15 years old, you're like a high level gymnast Mm -hmm. to the point where you're looking already at colleges to attend as a gymnast. Yeah, correct. All right. So you were fucking good. (laughs) Kind of. Okay. And then you're dealing with the stress of that. And if I get my words or my wording wrong, I apologize. Sexual identity, Mm -hmm. right? And you start to self-harm. You you said, though, in that process at some point, you started to, I believe it was, you hated every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that time, and you may not be able to answer this, what does that feel like to hate every day? Yeah, I just really, I didn't want to live that life anymore. Mm. And I was so young, I didn't know anything else. I thought that's all that life was going to be. Wake up, go to school, do gymnastics, go to sleep. Mm. So. I just need a way out. That's kind of what I felt like. Start to self-harm. People Mm -hmm. notice. And at some point you threaten or you say, I'm suicidal. Yeah. I told my friend, like, like I kind of looked at her at practice and was like, you know, I think this is my last day. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was Mm -hmm. like, like on earth. And then, so she got super worried. Yeah. So then I went home to my parents and talked about it. And that was probably one of like, the hardest things because they they were super worried so yeah did they were they worried yep and and parents no judgments but were they kind of freak out or what's yeah the they thing? kind of freaked out but one thing that they did say is that when i got home they're like do you really know what you're saying mm-hmm. so like it kind of like it felt invalidating because i felt like they thought i was just saying it for attention or so that mm-hmm. kind of hurt Mm-hmm. When you said that you, in that day in, in, in practice, when you said it was my last day on earth, and this is one of Sean's weird questions, I know that. But the question is, did you mean it? I thought I did back then. Did you have a plan? Not. It wasn't very detailed, but I was just thinking pills. Mm-hmm. And I know those don't usually work. So that was not like the best idea. But that was my plan. Okay. 
So what happens after that? So you're, I believe you're still in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what happens as that kind of journey continues? So I quit gymnastics. Uh, my parents like forced me into therapy mm-hmm. and that didn't work. Cause I like, wasn't ready to share. Like I just wasn't ready to process it all yet. Wait, so <laughs> note to our audience. Uh, and, and perhaps you'll agree forcing people into just about anything, but for our purposes here, therapy, get why you might do it. Probably not going to work. Go on. Did not work at all. <laughs> so things just kind of started to just get better for some mm-hmm. reason. Okay. And then COVID came around, mental health started to go down again. Um, it was just like the depression, the self-harm, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got put on medication, which helped a little bit, but yeah, it still kind of went down, keeps going down. Had you at some point before COVID, if I'm doing the math here, so there's like 15 to 17, do you get back into gymnastics? No, I got into diving, actually. I think it was junior year. I started looking at colleges for diving. And then... <laughs> Miles, are you just this absurdly incredible athlete that can do anything and become a D1 athlete? My God. I just like flipping. <laughs> I <don't laughs> okay. Know. Miles the flipper. Okay. Flipper, flipping in Michigan. That's my hashtag for you. <laughs> but yeah, so then I committed to Grand Valley State University. And then I went, ended up going there in the fall, which was just last fall. And then that's where my first suicide attempt happened. Gymnastics, diving, COVID happens. You're, you're on the medication. Things are hard. And then last year, when that's happening in the middle of COVID, you go to Grand Valley State U, home of the Lakers. Don't love it. No, I don't either. I <laughs> love it. What kind of what kind of mascot do you have? Like a big blobby. Lake? It was like a big person. It was like a big bobblehead person. It was kind of weird. It's hard to get behind that. Wow. So you, and, and this is in person. This is not virtual. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was in person. I was on campus and everything. And how far is that from Oxford? Um, two and a half hours. All right. So you're a freshman. You are a Laker. Yep. Are you a flipper? Yeah. You're on, yeah. you're on, con- you're on uh, what's the word? Scholarship. I'm not on scholarship for the first year. Okay. So take us through however you want to sort of share it. The suicide attempt. What happens? That fall, I was like super happy. Like I made a bunch of friends, love school, love diving, but just somewhere between the semesters, I just had like a mental breakdown, Mm. I guess. I don't know how else to put it. I was just overwhelmed. One day I had suicidal ideations and those are like pretty normal for me. It's like a daily thing. So I just kind of let it go. But then that night came and we were just like, it was a Friday night. We're just having fun doing what like college students do. And then I got super intoxicated, walked home and tried to like end my life through cutting, but Mm. it didn't work because I was intoxicated, didn't really plan it out well. So, so the question that I'm not supposed to ask, and I know it's such a hard one to even try to answer, like, do you know why you did that? I think it's because I didn't see a point in anything Mm -hmm. and I was also starting to struggle with my um like gender Mm. so that was like super hard I felt like I was living like a double life so to say so it was hard yeah and and but yet you say you had friends Mm -hmm. you were involved with diving which it sounded like you were enjoying Mm -hmm. yeah and I and I share that because I think there's still a myth and I don't know if it's ever going to get undone 
that people that attempt to take their own lives are just in a state of absolute depression or misery. It's not always yeah. the case at all. Mm-hmm. More complicated. So you had some things that are going well, your words, right? Fair. Yeah. But other things, not so much. Yeah. Before that uh, attempt, and that was your first attempt, right? Yeah. Up until that point, back, back in high school, you're suicidal. You get through it. Things improve. From that point to that attempt at college, are you ideating regularly from time to time? You thinking about it? Are you even planning sometimes? What What's that like? There was actually not a lot of planning, but they were more than just passive. Mm-hmm. So to help like cope with that, I would write goodbye letters like all the time. Then I was like prepared, like a just in case kind of thing. But I like never felt like satisfied with it. So usually I just didn't go through with it. So does anybody know that you're doing that kind of thing? Or is that just you? You're the only one. I'm the only one. They don't know that I write letters all the time. Mm. So you are inebriated. You cut. It doesn't work. Are you taken to a hospital? Do you fall asleep? What happens? Um, so I ended up calling one of my friends who was mm-hmm. at the party. A few people rushed over and helped. Mm-hmm. And then like, I just go back to their place. They end up taking me to a hospital, but I was not super honest with the social worker. So I was able to go home because I was kind of scared to go to a psychiatric facility. But long story short, a few days later, I ended up in one anyways. So it was voluntary. Your friends acting mostly supportive, kind? Yeah, very supportive. Very like there for me. Mm. So it was very nice. I don't know if this is the case, but I sometimes get the sense that like Gen Z, I don't even know. Mm. Gen, like they get it a little more. Yeah, they do. And they're a little bit more open or maybe more than a little bit uh, than some older folks. Mm-hmm. In this, but they're also fucking bullies online and awful human beings. <laughs> Weird kind yeah. of contradiction. All right, we're, we're, we all have both sides to us. That I, that I've learned uh, for sure. Yeah, all right, yeah. so you obviously you survive that when you don't succeed, for lack of a better word, you don't complete that. You're alive. How do you feel? Awful, mostly like guilt and shame and just embarrassed. Like, because I like barely remember telling my friends so I wish that I hadn't because it wasn't really a life or death situation Mm -hmm. then so Mm -hmm. I wish I wouldn't have told people brought people in worried them you know Mm -hmm. wish I would have kept it to myself so I Mm -hmm. felt awful Mm -hmm. did they treat you any different after not really I could just tell they were worried though like so it's nice that they were worried but I just didn't want to put that on them sure sure and that's your freshman year yeah Grand Valley State Lakers. Lakers. You're diving. You've got some friends. What happens? And that's 2021, if I'm correct? Yep. End of 2021. End of 2021? Yep. All right. So this is really recent. Yeah, it's really recent. All right. So what happens? More stuff is happening. There was like a month between my two attempts. So that month I was just like super numb and exhausted. Just emotionally, I convinced my parents to let me go back to college because we were on winter break. And I was like, okay, I want to go back for the winter semester. And I convinced them. And they, so just to be clear, they know about everything. Yeah. So, oh, after, after the attempt, yeah, I went to a psychiatric facility. Did I say that already? Well, you said that you didn't want to go and you kind of talked your way out of it. 
And then you said you went voluntarily, but that must have happened after at some point. Yeah, that was two days after the first attempt. And you, but you did that voluntarily. Yeah. Was that with the cajoling of friends or family? Yeah, my friends were like, "It'll." They thought it was going to help. Yeah, and how was that experience for you? It kept me safe, but that's about all it did. I was just so focused on trying to get out. I did not want to be there. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear that a lot. And I never want to discourage people from doing that if they feel like it's going to be helpful. But it's. I wish sometimes wish I heard more positive things, but I do sometimes. But anyhow, you get out. Um. So then I get back up to college. It's two days into the semester, I believe. And like I just started back with diving in between this time, like I changed my name. So then it was just kind of weird. Like I was just trying to socially transition. Uh, All right. So that sounds like a fucking lot of shit you're going through, Miles. Yeah. You're dealing with the post-hospitalization. There was an attempt. I mean, that's that's just a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cold. (laughs) Yeah. So it was January when my second attempt happened. On top of all that, like the final straw, like I went back to the apartment that I tried to attempt in. Really overwhelming. So I went to Meyer, picked up medication. So I was supposed to get a new medication and it was supposed to help me like sleep, but I got a different one. So I, without knowing, I took it and I got half, like five in and I looked at it. I was like, oh crap, this is the wrong kind. So then I freaked out, called someone. Again, it was the same person, but then I took a few more. They got called an ambulance. So the intent was to end your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think I wrote a note for that one too. Hmm. Those notes must be tricky. Yeah, because I can never get it like exactly right. There's so much I want to say, but I just can't get it in a piece of paper, you know? Right. All right. So the ambulance comes. What do they do? Do they do some charcoal? No, they did not. I did not take enough. So it was kind of a shitty attempt again, like the first one. (laughs) That's how you want to call it. Sure. Yep. Okay. Do you beat yourself up over that? Yeah. And telling people. I wish I just hadn't told anyone. Do you think you're less likely to tell people moving forward? Yeah. Mm. Yet you're on this thing here. So there's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. Every now and then I throw out a fancy word. <laughs> Today's fancy word of the day is juxtaposition. Like it. Yeah. Thank you. And do you stay in school or do you uh, say, I got to take some time? I dropped out for that semester. Yeah. So just go back for a sec. Who learns about your second attempt? And I, when I ask that, I mean friends, family, and coaches too, because they have to be a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. So I told my friends and they told my coaches immediately. They had to. Before the ambulance came, I called my mom and dad. And I was just like, you know, I just tried to take some pills. I'm going to go to the hospital right now. I'll let you know when I'm out, basically. And then you were done. You came home. Yep. And then they were like, well, I wanted to go back again. Cause I just wanted to like run from all my like issues and just pretend like everything was okay, but everything was not okay. So then I stayed home and now I'm like working and trying to figure it out. Therapy. Yeah. I got put into DBT. So your first time in therapy. Um, I did do like the regular talk therapy, like for about a year. And you wanted to be there. I did. And that helped a lot. I thought. And DBT so far. It's okay. It's a lot more work than regular therapy. Is it? Yeah, you have to like memorize the skills and like practice them. And like, if you're not like all in, then it's hard to do. Mm -hmm. As we talk right now, do you want to be alive? Yes. Yeah. I imagine it's not always, you know, cut and dry. It's not. 
It's not. Do you ideate regularly in the last, let's say, three months since your last attempt? Yeah, not every night, but pretty often. And sometimes they get pretty, they can go to plans really quickly. So that's kind of is what's scary. Yeah. Did your therapists ever give you a diagnosis that you thought was accurate or valid? Um, yeah. So I got diagnosed with major depression, major depression disorder, and then mm-hmm. generalized anxiety. And I think that's pretty accurate. It was kind of validating too. Right. Right. Sure. So when you're going through your life now, what helps you not to feel shitty? If anything, I would say my relationships, like with my family, my friends, I get like a lot of support from everyone. And I recognize that not a lot of people have that. So I'm very grateful for that. And you have people in your life that not only support you, because you know, if you've heard the podcast, I kind of obsess with how people talk about this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So there, do you have people in your life? And I know they might be hearing this. I get it. Who, when you talk with them about this, you feel okay or heard or fill in the blank positive thing. There are people I could talk to, but I can't talk to them about suicide. That's why I feel like, like that's the line. One person, no one. Like I can talk to everyone about it, but it's not, I'm not going to get the response I want. I feel like, like they're going to really worry, Mm -hmm. freak out. And that's not what I need in that moment. I just need to be like heard, I, I guess. And I think almost anybody in your situation feels that way. Yeah. So anybody hearing this, listen to this, please. Right. And let's get, let's geek out on that word for a second. When you say heard, there's a there comes a point when we can't describe it any further. I understand, but what does that actually, what does that Um, sound or look like? I just want them to like, not understand, but I don't know, like me to be the priority, not my safety. Does that make sense? Like, I want them to be worried about my emotions, how I feel, not like just my safety. And like, if it's on them, Mm -hmm. because I think if I tell them they don't do anything, like it's on them if I die, which it, you know, I don't want them to feel like that. I don't know how to fix that, but it just Mm -hmm. doesn't help. Yeah, that does make sense. Yes. At least to me. Yes. So if nobody's around because you're saying, and I asked the question about what helps in your your relationships, but you're alone, what, for whatever reason you're in your room or whatever you're doing, music, anything, drinking, drugging. That's what some people do. Self-harm used to help. Drinking used to help. Not anymore. Nothing seems to help. Just distracting, I guess, maybe. So my phone. Sure. That's only helped so much. What is your preferred social media app? TikTok. Say it. TikTok. Say it. TikTok. Now, at some point in the very recent past, you put the word suicide in probably Spotify or Apple. Those are the two big ones. Yeah, Spotify. And I think you shared with me a little bit via email and a little bit when we first started talking, but I'm so curious why people put that word in there. I was like super, super low. It was like a month ago. Okay. And I think I was very close to like, if I would have tried, I would have completed it. I think I was very close because I just really did not want to be alive. Support wasn't helping like relationships, therapy, Mm -hmm. nothing seemed to help thinking about the future, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like put suicide into the search bar and found your podcast. And it actually was the only thing that helped in that moment. So I wonder why that is. Cause there are other podcasts and they, you know, people talk and I just wonder what it is. I have some ideas and I, and I, and I'm glad for it when I hear stuff like that, but uh, are you on meds? I am. Yeah. Do you think they're doing anything? 
a little bit. Yeah, I'm still like switching them around pretty often, trying to figure out the right combination. So it's kind of hard. Such a pain in the ass, right? It is. <laughs> Question for you that might be feel quite tangential. Tangential. Okay. Another word. Big word. <laughs> I can't help but think about you are a gymnast or you were in the state of Michigan. And I am aware yeah. of what has happened in the last number of years. Mm-hmm. Everybody is, or most people are. Did that impact you at all? Not me directly, mm-hmm. but like some teammates. So yeah, that was kind of hard. Yeah. And it, that might sound unrelated, but I, all of this stuff in some ways is connected, but perhaps that's a stretch. Yeah. It just impacted the whole gymnastics culture though, for sure. Yeah. And now I coach too. So that affected it too. When did you start coaching? Um, right after I quit gymnastics. Oh, okay. So you've been doing that for a while. What ages do you coach? Um, all ages, like five to teenagers. So some people are like your age or close to your age. Yeah, not quite this old, but. <laughs> <laughs> so old. Do you like it? I do. I love it. Are you good at it? I'm trying to, I want to be good at it. Mm. I'm trying to, I don't know. There's so much to coaching that I did not realize there was. Like it was planning. Mm. There's a lot to it. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard. To be really good is really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to figure that out until you try to do it. Yeah. Same for teaching. I mean, they're obviously very similar. But, you know, when you're a kid, you're like teachers, blah, blah. And you're like, you try to do it. You're like, shit. Like, that's hard. That's hard. Whatever they did, they're good at that. Hmm. So we're in March 2022, which is crazy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people don't like when I use that word, but whatever. It's my fucking show. What's going to happen to you? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. So like I'm trying to figure out if I should go back to Grand Valley. If I should stay and go to like a community college. Yeah, just what I'm going to do with my life now. Like I have no idea. Is that unsettling or can you, is there a way for to embrace that? Or is that like you freaking no, out? No, it's very unsettling. Right. Yeah. It's like a constant worry. Do you want to share with me a little bit about what happened to your, I believe it was your sister and how that affected you? Yeah. So that happened November 30th or 31st. And my attempt was two weeks later. So I think it had a little bit of an impact just because I was so like worried and tired for my sister. So I found out I was like sitting in my dorm and then I'm in a group chat with my sister and her friend and my friend. The friend texted and was like, Elena, are you okay? Which is my sister. And then she was like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, are you? And I was like, what's going on? And then they said like, there's an active shooter. And I didn't like, I didn't know why I didn't believe them, but I was like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. So I. This was like real time. Yeah. Like it was like, I was texting them as it was happening. And I didn't realize it until like I called my mom and she's like, I don't know what's happening. And then we finally saw on the news, like a couple minutes later, like there are helicopters outside of Oxford High School. They're like live streaming. So mm-hmm. like, I didn't realize the gravity of the situation until I saw that. Wow. So she obviously, she's okay. How many years younger is she? Uh, two years younger, 17. She's 17. Forgive me for my ignorance, but how many people died there, if any? Um, four. I don't excuse myself for not knowing, but that does reflect it's not that uncommon. Mm-hmm. Absurdly, yep. this happens from time to time, and you almost are like another one. It's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. I'm glad that your sister's okay. Did she lose anybody that she was friends with or that she knew? Um, she was friends with 
one of the siblings that died. Fuck. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, one of the questions I sometimes ask is around uh, myths. Okay. M-Y-T-H. Yep. Like, what do you want to call bullshit on, if anything? And uh, yeah, I'd like to hear that if you haven't. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about it, but that's selfish. Mm-hmm. I think that if you haven't really been in that situation, you like don't have room to talk about if it's selfish or not. So like I was also on my ride to the hospital in the ambulance. That's what one of the paramedics said to me that it's selfish. And that was just like, yeah. What? Yeah. What is that like, their role? Is that anybody's role? But is that their role? No. And I'm actually um, EMT certified. And like, we are not taught to like say that we're taught to avoid that. So I was like kind of shocked. Wait, you're EMT certified? Yeah, last year I got EMT certified. What what compelled you to do that? Um, I've always been interested in the medical field. And then it was like the first time they were offering this class. They're like, okay, for two days a week, you're going to go to the fire station for four hours and you're going to get your hours in. Then you're going to do clinicals. And then if you pass the test, you're certified. So that's what me and a, like a dozen other students did. So Amazing. Do you think if there's uh, someone out there who's feeling like you feel, and there's probably no one who feels exactly how you feel, but there's probably a lot of people who feel somewhat how you feel, kind of how you feel. This is not a loaded question. Do you think there's anything you could say that might actually help them? I would say take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. That has helped me because you now you start thinking about the future, what you're going to do for the rest of your life, like family, like it's just overwhelming. So one day at a time. One hour at a time if you have to. Yeah, that has helped me. Weird question. When you were, when you ideate, when you attempted, did you think when I'm dead, like, am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to get reborn? Am I going to go to hell? Am I just dead? Did you ever think about that stuff? I have recently, because I don't know if I was listening to one of your podcasts and you asked about that. And I was like, Mm. oh man, I haven't really thought about that. Because if I do believe in a god then it's like a sin so it's like okay then i'm going to hell but i kind of just think you just die and just that's it yeah and we're like organic matter and we just that's it yeah exactly now you know if you listen to the podcast there are certain questions i almost always ask do you think you will try again there's a possibility mm-hmm. you know i don't want to but i feel like like i get really low pretty often. Mm-hmm. And I like forget about all the good times, forget about the good memories, you know, and just like, like, this is it. I'm exhausted. I've been fighting for like too long. I feel like, and I know it's only been like three years, but it's felt like a decade. Like it's just exhausting. Is it? Yeah. When you yeah. say exhausting, I mean, physically, non otherwise. Mentally. It's like the constant, like war in your head mm. and it's just like a heavy weight, you know, it just, yeah. Now, didn't you also share that you fix lawnmowers? Yeah. How random is that? Very random. So my neighbor actually like works for the company and he was like, come work for me. So that's just how I got a second job because I need to save up for college if I go back. So yeah, I build lawnmowers and I coach gymnastics, my polar opposites. Do you think there's anybody else? And I mean this in the world of 7 billion people or whatever it is. That has those two jobs. I doubt it. Those doubt are good jobs. You might be the only human who coaches gymnastics and builds lawnmowers. 
Yeah, it's funny. There's just one person. You. <laughs> What's the odds of that? How weird. How random. I'm, I want to ask it, but I'm not sure how to frame it. To what degree your gender or sexual identity has played a role in this? Is that a too broad of a question? No, it's not. I think I think it's played a pretty big role. Like when I first, the very first time I like threatened suicide, like I was figuring out that like I liked girls. Mm-hmm. And then the first attempt, like the actual attempt, I was figuring out that I was a guy. So it was just like kind of all surrounded yeah. by that too. It was like the mi- in the mix. Wow. And are you feeling decent about that right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually starting to medical transition soon. So like starting hormones and stuff. So that'll be like a big step. That's a huge step. Are you worried? Are you scared? I'm a little worried. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm ready Mm because it's like a big change. And I want to make sure like my family's ready and supportive. And I think my friends are like, they're on board, but Mm -hmm. I just want to get my family on the same page. How do your, so it's two parents, one sister? Parents, two younger sisters, one older brother. Okay. How are they supportive? I mean, some might be and some might not be, but are they supportive of that? My sister is very supportive. My parents love me no matter what. They said that, but they're they're having a hard time with it, which I understand. Mm-hmm. Like for their whole life, they've seen me as their daughter and they adopted me as their daughter. So it's like. Well, you were adopted. Yeah. How old were you when you were adopted? Uh, 11 months. So not old, but enough to cause an impact, I think. Are you the only adopted child? My The 17-year-old sister, she's adopted from China, too. We're not biologically, biologically related, but we're both adopted from China. So. Oh, that, and that's what, so that's where you were born, China? Yeah. Do you think that's had any impact on this? It has. And so my parents think that it has an impact on like my gender identity because they, because in China, usually they gave up the girls and they would keep the guys. Basically they wanted a guy. So they think like, that's kind of what it is. But I think it's like the opposite because I think it's like really far-fetched and weird. But I think that like when my mom like gave me up, like she saw that there was something wrong with me. There was going to be something wrong, like mental health. Like I've been struggling with I was gay and then now I'm like trans Mm. so I was like maybe she just knew and she was just like I don't know it's like crazy I know it's not possible but I I think anything's possible yeah that's just what I think so I have a hard time with that just thinking that she thought there was a problem and you'll never get to ask her no you've been through a lot Miles (laughs) I think it's uh what's the word I'm looking for here I just always admire people who I guess fight, you know, they just stick it out. And I don't judge people who don't. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you've heard the podcast, I'm a believer in choice. Yeah. And some people make that choice, but it does sound like it's been really hard. And like you said, your words, it's tiring. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. What else would you like to share? Because I do enjoy talking with you and I'm really grateful. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else except for just that struggling with self-harm had a big impact on my suicidal ideations and 
attempts that like led to him, I think. The cutting? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Can you expound on that a tiny bit more? Because I would think, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So basically I have like kind of like decided that I want to, if I do take my life, I want it to be by cutting. So the pills was like impulsive, but because I feel like it's taken up so much of my life and it's like, it sounds very like graphic. You slowly die with that. So then I'll die with no regrets versus like a gunshot. Like I could pull the trigger and regret it. But like, mm. if I start bleeding out, I could call someone. If I start to regret it. Mm. Like I want to go with like no regrets. It's kind of dark and yeah. I don't, I don't see it as dark, but I get it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sure. That makes sense. Yeah, I wouldn't want regrets either. And I've got a ton of them. Yeah. Do you think, is that one of the things that worries you? Is that as you get older, this is going to be a tricky way to, I don't know how to frame this because it's something that's present in my life, but I don't know how to put it in words. Like I know, for example, in five years, I'm going to regret something that I haven't even done yet. Okay. I know in five years, I'm going to look back at next year. Yeah, I've yeah. seen enough of a pattern. Obviously, I'm older than you. Where like, I it's not just regrets, but it's just feeling shitty about my life then. And there's no real reason for me to think magically, even though this brings me joy or at least some meaning that it's going to change profoundly. And it's a weird space to be in to know that or be the really high likelihood that for the rest of this year I will then regret it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I knew it would be hard to, um, but it's a strange dynamic and I could see, yeah, can be challenging. So you, you mentioned to me that you have done coaching and that you fix lawnmowers or build lawnmowers and that you're an EMT. I didn't ask you, did you have a major chosen? Yeah. I wanted to do nursing. Medical field. Yes. I want to do ER nursing specifically. I like the emergency side. So it goes along with the EMT. It does. And you, and you're still planning to do that? I don't know. If I go back to school, yeah, I'd like to do nursing. I have to get back to school first. Lakers, maybe not. We don't know. I'd like to be a Laker, but no. Still not a great mascot, but okay. No, it's not. No. Um, thank you. I appreciate your time and you sharing. I hope that those people that hear this, and there are some people out there that you said might, family, friends, others. I don't know. I actually don't know what I hope, but I hope that whatever you want for it happens. Thank you. Yeah. Stay well or as well as you can, please. Thank you so much. All right, Miles. Have a good day. You too. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Miles up in Michigan. Thank you, Miles. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. You can also now leave us a recorded message. I've put the link in the show notes. SpeakPipe.com slash SuicideNoted. We would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your questions, your comments. That is all for episode number 110. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.